Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. It is my privilege to share one more word with you, one more 2020 message with you from God's wonderful word all year long we've been learning biblical foundations for strong disciples our whole th our theme this whole year 2020 has been solid and all year long we have been learning that practicing God's word makes me strong right the whole year practicing God's word makes us strong and as we close out 2020 and get ready to March forward into 2021 and beyond. I want to share one more word that will help us grow stronger and more solid. Who wants to be just a little bit more solid before we get to 2021? Come on, somebody. I don't want to just be solid now. I want to be solid as we march into 2021 and as we move forward for the rest of our lives. I want to be a solid disciple of Jesus Christ. That even though when uh, things shake sometimes, I'm going to stand firm. How about you? One more word, I feel like this will really solidify us as we move into this upcoming year. The title of today's message is Intervention. How many of us would agree um, that right now we need a divine intervention in our world? The issue is, a lot of times we're awaiting some divine intervention. And he, he wants to, and he will. But guess where divine intervention in the world must begin? It's got to begin in us, in our hearts, in the hearts and the lives of God's chosen people the church. If we want to see God intervene in our world, we must first experience his intervention in our own hearts and lives. Now I want you to turn to somebody and say, you need an intervention. Revelation, the book of Revelation. Say we're going to end 2020 by reading from Revelation. Yes, we are. All right. I feel like we've been living a lot of Revelation, right? And if you read Revelation, you realize it is not just a, it, 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 yeah, it goes both downhill and uphill from here, okay? But Revelation, for the most part, is a supernatural vision. Uh, it, it, the heavens, the heavenly, or the spiritual realm was torn open, and the apostle John could see into heaven and what was happening in heaven. And so what we read in the book of Revelation is a literal vision of what's going on in heaven, okay? And so we're going to go to Revelation chapter 8 for this today. This is a vision of heavenly activity. Who's ready? Who wants a heavenly intervention? Who wants it to start in your own heart? All right, so let's go to Revelation 8. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal on the scroll... There was silence throughout heaven for about half an hour. 
I saw the seven angels who stand before God and they were given seven trumpets. Lots of sevens going on in here, right? This is a very important revelation. Then another angel with a gold incense burner came and stood at the altar. And a great amount of what? A great amount of what? A great amount of incense was given to him to mix with the prayers of God's people as an offering on the gold altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense mixed with the prayers of God's holy people did what? Ascended up to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. Then the angel filled the incense burner with fire from the altar and threw it down upon the earth and thunder crashed and lightning flashed and there was a terrible earthquake. What do you think happens? And don't go to your religious answer that you know you ought to say. What do you sincerely think happens when you pray? What do you think? Have you ever felt like you were really just wasting your time and breath? I'm glad someone was honest. What do you think happens when you worship God and you pray? Is something really happening? Does it really count? Does it make a difference? Have you ever prayed and prayed and prayed and thought, I don't know if I'm just wasting my energy. I don't know if I'm just wasting my breath. I hope I'm not the only one that's felt that way. I have another question. Have you ever experienced answered prayer? See, I, I, I've experienced both. I've experienced time when I'm like, is this even, like, do you even hear me? Am I just, do, am, am I just, I don't know, releasing positive vibes or wishful thinking and, you know, and it's just bouncing off the walls or the ceiling or whatever? Or does this actually count? And I've also experienced answered prayer in a powerful way what do you think happens when you pray according to God's word from Revelation chapter 8 prayer reaches heaven prayer reaches heaven and today God wants you to be encouraged that prayer isn't a waste of breath. It's not a waste of energy. It's more than just wishful thinking or positive words. Prayer actually reaches heaven. How do I know? How can we know that? How can you know that your prayers are reaching heaven when you don't feel like it? 
Because God says so. His word says so. Yay is right. (laughs) When we feel like it, and when we don't feel like it, which I don't know, maybe it's about half and half of the time. About half the time when I pray, I feel it. Come on, somebody, do you feel it in your fingers and your toes when you pray? And about half the time, I don't feel nothing. Except I'm exuding energy. (laughs) But when you feel it, and when you don't feel it, something is happening in the heavenly realm. Prayer reaches heaven. Prayer has the power to transcend our natural world and enter into the supernatural world. And that's when you feel it and when you don't feel it. We just read from Revelation chapter 8. It says that the smoke of the incense mixed with the prayers of God's holy people ascended to God. Our prayers ascend and intervene in heaven. Come on, somebody say intervention. See, the first place that intervention happens, before it can happen on earth, there must be an intervention in heaven. And we have to understand that as God's people, we've been given the privilege and the opportunity and the responsibility to do something that can literally intervene in heaven. Before an intervention can happen on earth, there must be an intervention in heaven. And how does that intervention take place? Intervention in heaven takes place through our worship and our prayers that ascend to God. Come on, just maybe you need to say that this morning. Come on, say with me. My worship and my prayer ascends to heaven. It does. Don't think of your prayers as a waste of breath. Don't look at prayer as mere wishful thinking or positive thoughts. Because there's a lot of people that do a lot of that and they don't pray a lick. Just thinking good thoughts or wishing for good things. No, that's not prayer. Prayer is actual communication with God. Your spirit to his. And it's way more than just thinking good things. It's way more than just wishing for good things to happen. When we sincerely pray, and this is what we want, I want us to grab a hold of in this first point today. When we sincerely pray, according to the will of God revealed in his word and spoken to us by the Holy Spirit. Pastor Deanna talked about obeying the word of God with our tithes and obeying the voice of the Holy Spirit sometimes with our offerings. But when, when, when we see what God's already revealed in his word, we don't have to wonder what we ought to pray. 
And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we don't have to wonder what to pray because he'll communicate it to our spirit. And when we pray, according to what we see revealed is God's will in his word. And when we pray, according to the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking on the inside of us, which, by the way, his voice will always agree with his word. Come on, somebody. I've heard people pray prayers, and they were sincere about it, but it didn't agree with the word of God. So it wasn't a right prayer. There's a lot of wrong prayers. There's a lot of Christians praying wrong prayers. What I pray, I need to make sure that it agrees with the word of God. And when I feel the Holy Spirit speaking to me, which he does, come on, tell somebody, he speaks to you. He will speak to you. He will show you things to pray. He will reveal secrets to you that you ought to be praying, right? But it'll always agree with the word of God. And so it's very important to know the word of God if we're going to pray right. Oh, that could be a whole message in itself. All right. But that's not the point today. When we sincerely pray according to God's will revealed in his word, and we hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us, we enter into the heavenly supernatural realm. This is what the apostle John was literally seeing happen in heaven. He was watching the prayers of God's people ascend into heaven and then what happened with it, okay? When we sincerely pray according to God's will, we enter into the supernatural realm where the impossible becomes possible and where all things are possible. Last Sunday, we talked about our mighty God, right? For whom all things are possible, for whom nothing is too difficult. Did you know when you bring a difficult situation to God in prayer, you put that situation in the hands of the one for whom nothing is too difficult? You ever felt like something was too hard? Bring that situation through prayer to God, and you're literally putting that difficult, that hard situation in the hands of the one for whom nothing is too hard. Prayer brings the impossible into the environment where the impossible can become possible. You say, why do we start every year with prayer? Why do we even have a weekly prayer meeting altogether? Now we're going to go to two weekly prayer meetings altogether, right? Because we believe, we truly believe that when we bring our needs, our petitions, our situations, our circumstances, when we bring them to Almighty God in prayer, something actually happens. We actually believe that it ascends to Him, that He hears it, that He feels it, that He receives it. We could spend weeks on just this first point right here. God actually hears our prayer, right? But for the sake of time and for the sake of, the, of just this message, I just challenge you and encourage you with this right here. Trust that your prayers are being heard. Trust him. Trust that God actually hears your prayers and receives them and they do make a difference. Come on, tell somebody, your prayer makes a difference so we're reading about this ascension up to heaven but what is all this incense about why does it talk about incense in heaven 
Does anybody know what incense represents throughout the Word of God? Worship. That's right. It's worship. And this to me, when I read this, by the way, this word came to me, I believe it was October. And the Lord said, this is the word for New Year's. I said, okay, that's a while from now. So I began to write it down. But this was the, what impacted me the most right here. God receives our prayers as worship. God receives our, I don't know if you've, thought of it but when you pray you're actually worshiping because God receives it as worship okay God receives our prayers as worship prayer is a very part of worshiping God worship is not just singing worship is not just worship worship services Worship is not just serving. All of those things can be worship, right? Worship is not just giving. Yes, that is worship too. But prayer itself is a form of worship. Why? Because prayer puts me in the right position and God in the right position. Prayer is a declaration. You're God and I'm not. Prayer is a declaration. I can't and you can Prayer is a declaration. I trust you and not me. Prayer is a declaration. I'm not going to try to figure it out on my own. I'm going to trust you to help me figure it out. Prayer puts us in the position of worship because prayer puts us in the, de- in the position of dependence on God. Rather than depending on me and how I can do it and how I can figure it out or how I can get her done, Right? Prayer puts me in the position of dependence on God, of leaning into God, of leaning on God. And that's worship. Worship is to acknowledge who God is. And prayer is one of the ways we do that. And God receives our prayer as worship. Listen, prayer, I want you to think about this. It says, I want to go back to Revelation 8. It says a great amount of incense was given to mix with the prayers of God's people as an offering on the gold altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense mixed with the prayers of God's holy people ascended to God. It says that the prayer of God's people was a what before the throne? An offering. Come on, say prayer is worship. Prayer makes me a worshiper. And biblically, that makes me a prime candidate for divine intervention. Can you think of any examples of that in the Bible? Come, let me just say it again. Prayer makes me a worshiper. And biblically, that makes me a prime candidate for divine intervention. Can you think 
of any examples in the Bible where somebody was a worshiper or that God received their prayers as worship and that because they were a worshiper, they became a prime candidate for divine intervention? Daniel, Esther, anybody else? Huh. I think of Cornelius. You guys remember Cornelius? He barely even knew God, but he knew, he, he, he knew, he, he knowed, he knew, he knew to, to give and he knew to pray. And then it says, God came, right? The angel came and said, I've heard your prayers and your worship, right? And Cornelius became what? The first Gentile. He was like the, uh, the door that opened for the gospel to reach the non-Jewish people. Talk about an intervention. That intervention reached us. Prayer makes us worshipers. God receives our prayers as worship. And worship converts me into a prime candidate for God's intervention on earth. My prayer and worship, your prayer and worship, intervene in heaven. And that invites God's intervention into the earth. See, God receives our prayer as worship. So I want to encourage you today. What do you think actually happens in heaven? When you worship and pray. See, we're talking about examples here. I'm going to read you a couple of exam examples here in a minute. But before we get to those examples, we can see clearly what happens when we worship and pray. Let me read the end of that. The smoke of the incense mixed with God's, the prayers of God's holy people ascended to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. Hmm. Who poured them out? Who was handling this, these prayers and this worship? Angels, right? The angel filled the incense burner from, with fire from the altar and threw it down upon the earth. Thunder crashed, lightning flashed, and there was a terrible earthquake. Listen, worship and prayer have a powerful impact in the earth. The worship and prayer of God's people produce a powerful impact in the earth. According to Revelation chapter 8, our worship and prayer, and according to the whole Bible actually, our worship and prayer are two of God's primary means of intervening in the earth. When God's people pray, things happen. When God's people pray, things change. When God's people don't pray, things that ought to happen don't happen. Oh, but God is sovereign. Yes, God is sovereign, but God has entrusted his people with the responsibility of bringing heaven to earth through our prayer. If God were just sovereign and everything was just going to happen because he wanted it to, why did Jesus tell us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done in the earth as it is in heaven? God wants to do powerful things in the earth. 
God wants to intervene in our situations, in our family, in our finances, in our jobs, in the pandemic. God wants to intervene in everything that's going on in our nation, in the nations of the earth. But let me tell you, sometimes God's intervention doesn't happen because we haven't intervened in heaven yet. Prayer and worship have a powerful impact in the earth. Sometimes the bowl just isn't full yet in heaven. Our worship and prayer are God's primary means of intervening in the earth. First in our hearts, First, he intervenes in our hearts, and then after he's intervened in our hearts, he can intervene through our lives in the earth as it is in heaven. We could say heaven invades our hearts when we pray and when we worship, and then through our life, heaven invades the earth. Prayer and worship have a powerful impact in the earth. Worship and prayer, the worship and prayer of God's people can cause heaven to invade earth. If nothing has excited you yet about this or encouraged you, hopefully this will. Worship and prayer activate angels. See, God has his angels, <laughs> his servant. But, but the Bible says angels, the work of angels is to work on the behalf of, of us in the heirs of God's kingdom, right? The heirs of God's promises, the heirs of salvation. And I see worship and prayer in Revelation chapter 8 causing angels to do something. How often have our angels just been standing there waiting? <laughs> just hanging out. Waiting on our prayers to ascend in our worship, to ascend into the heavens so they can go, woo, fire. Let me get some fire and add it to it. And then it says the angel like poured out the bowl and threw, it's almost like the prayers ascended to heaven and then the angel grabbed them and threw them back down on the earth. And when the angel threw them back down on the earth, it wasn't, um, this um, unspoken, quiet answer to prayer. Thunder, lightning, and an earthquake. God wants us to understand that prayer can be very, very powerful. And prayer 
can produce change in the earth. Thunder and lightning, it's representative of a storm. What do storms do to the earth? They change the earth. Earthquakes definitely change the earth, right? Our prayers can have a very powerful impact on the earth. Our prayers and our worship activate angels. We could say that worship and prayer shake things up. Come on, somebody. We got too much ham and turkey in our bellies this morning. Too much stuff and stuffed us. Touch somebody and shake them and say, shake things up. Prayer and worship shake things up. You say, well, that's nice. That's a nice theory. What a great vision in heaven. Maybe it's just symbolic. Okay, you guys told me about Esther and Daniel, and I said Cornelius. Okay, how about we read really quickly before we end today two examples of this when it happened. We ready? Come on, tell somebody one more time. Your prayers and your worship shake things up. Acts chapter 4, Paul, um, uh, Peter and John had just been on their way to a prayer meeting, actually. They were on their way to a, a, a Jewish prayer meeting at the temple, okay, in Acts chapter 4. And as they're walking to the prayer meeting, because they didn't have cars back then, right? They had to walk to the church, right? They had to walk to the temple. And they come across a man who's been crippled for a very long time, okay? And he asked him for money. They said, we don't have money, but we got something way better. And then they give it to him. What do they give him? He healed. The man who's been crippled all this time gets instantly, miraculously healed and strengthened. And the Bible says he leaps up and he goes into the temple walking and leaping and shouting praises to God. And then something very strange happens. They arrest them. Because society sometimes doesn't like the power of God. Society sometimes doesn't want to hear the truth. I just find it very interesting that they just healed this man who had been suffering. And their reward was jail. Thanks a lot. But sometimes that's the way it goes. Sometimes that's what happens when you carry the gospel. You can literally help suffering people and other people are not going to like it. And guess what? We keep doing it. I hope we keep doing it. They arrest him. And you know what they tell him? Never again preach the name of Jesus. Never again. You're causing too much of a ruckus. Never, ever again speak or preach the name of Jesus. And Peter and John basically say, so we respect you, but we kind of respect God more. And we honor you as the authority, but we have a mandate that's higher than yours. We can only do what God tells us to do. And if that goes against what you're asking us to do, I'm so sorry. And guess what? 
they released them. <laughs> they released them. So they've been told never again to preach in the name of Jesus. And so verse 23, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers cowered and ran away and, and, and hid and sheltered in place. I ain't trying to offend nobody. When they, were t- when they heard the report of what society said they could or could not do anymore, they just got scared and bowed down and obeyed. Can't get many amens on this one now. It, it might be um, dangerous if we continue to do what we're doing. People might not like it. The authorities might not like this whole gospel, Jesus, church thing. It says that all the believers lifted their voice together in prayer to God. Now, they didn't just go out there and, I don't care what they say, we're just going to do whatever we want to. No. They did something very important. It said that they lifted their voices together in prayer. They prayed. They understood something that the 2020, 2021 church, we better be understanding it. We better be getting our directives from heaven and not from our feelings and not from what everybody else thinks. Not from what society is saying. They knew where to take the problem. They knew that they needed to pray so that this issue could ascend into heaven and so that there could be an intervention. Do we know that, church? Do we know where to take our issues? Do we know where to take opposition? Do we just fight ourselves? If we do, we're fools. Do we just stand up and fight because we have the right? No, that's foolish. That doesn't get us anywhere. We better know what to do with issues and problems and challenges and obstacles and threats. The threats to our health. The threats to what? We don't want to make anybody nervous or uncomfortable. And y'all, we live in a society where we're allowed to do what we do. Come to Cuba with me, please. And see what it's like to do it anyway. (laughs) To be told you can't gather. More than 50 people gathered is against the law. I've seen 300 gathered in a backyard. Praying and worshiping anyway. And not because they're rebels and not because they think they're somebody, but because they know where to take their problems. They know where to take the issues. They know who takes revenge. 
Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. But we like to say, but I like to keep a little vengeance for myself. I had no plan of even going in this direction today, but listen, I feel like it's so important for what we're in and what we're moving into. Do not fight your battles in your own, I'm somebody. I don't know if, if they would have, instead of going and praying first, I don't know what would have happened to Peter and John. Maybe the big persecution that comes later would have come right then. I don't know. All I know is that this church, they knew what to do. And what to do was to pray. And to pray together. And so they lifted their voices together in prayer. And look what they pray. They don't pray according to their feelings. They pray straight from the word of God. Look what they pray, okay? They heard the, re the report. They lifted their voices together. Oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why are the, were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The plans of the nations are futile compared to the plans of God. The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus. Your holy servant whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O oh Lord... Hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. And stretch out your hands with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook. Their prayers literally produced physically an earthquake. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, by the way, same people that were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. And then they preached the word of God with boldness. And I don't have time to read it from the word, but go and read. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people begin to be added to the kingdom of God as they did this. But their boldness didn't come from their rights. Their boldness didn't come from their money. Their boldness didn't come from their citizenship in this case. Their boldness didn't come because they were more powerful than the, the Romans. Their boldness came because they prayed and it shook things up. And when they saw the power of God shaking things up, it made them bold enough to just keep on doing what God told them to do. 
Are you lacking boldness, my friend? Pray, it'll shake you up. Worship, it'll shake you up. It'll shake you on the inside. It'll shake up things around you. And even if you're threatened or even if you're ridiculed or even if you're uncomfortable, for God's sake, you'll be bold enough to keep on preaching Jesus. Yeah, I want one more story. How about Paul and Silas? Woo! They had also been told again and again and again to not be preaching this Jesus thing. Enough with your Jesus thing. Y'all are making a mess of our society with this Jesus message. They said that y'all just turned the whole world upside down. Woo! We, we, I'm ready for the, yeah. That's a lot of things need turning upside down. There's a lot of things that need shaking up right now. And it's more than what you and I think. And they'd been told not to preach the gospel. But anyway, one day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had the spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. How wicked. How wicked. First of all, slavery. Second of all, they owned this slave and she was possessed by the devil. And they used her demon possession to make money. Talk about somebody that needed help. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting. Look what she shouted. These men are servants of the Most High God, except it was a girl. These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Don't you tell me the devil can't be religious. She was declaring the truth. These were servants of the Most High God, and they were telling people how to be saved. Demons know the gospel too. Just because you know it don't mean you have it. I had nothing to do with the message. Okay. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated at the demon preaching the gospel. That he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly, it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. He lost his demon. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city officials. They're teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods, just like the Lord Jesus. Stripped and beaten. They were severely beaten, it says. Not just a few lashes, they were severely beaten. 
And then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon clamped their f- and clamped their feet in the stocks. They weren't just in jail. They were in the basement under the basement of the jail. Chained to the wall. Their feet chained down. Around midnight, <clears throat> it's like nothing happened, right? Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing. I say this to myself first. Such minuscule, unimportant, wimpy things get us to stop praying and singing. If somebody ridiculing me or opposing me or threatening me or it's causing me to be uncomfortable, if that can get me to stop worshiping and praying, I better check my heart. Because these men had been thrown into the dungeon of the jail after having been severely beaten and threatened. Their lives had been threatened already more than once. And there they are. And what are they doing? Praying and worshiping. They're praying and they're singing and the other prisoners were listening. You never know who's watching how you respond to life. We can't control life. There's a lot of things we can't control that happen around us or to us. But you never know who is watching and listening to how you live and how you respond to what's going on around you and to what happens to you. Because sometimes bad things happen to us, right? And people are watching us, not just when everything is rosy and nice and wonderful. People are watching us when we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. People are listening to our prayers and to our songs when everything's going good and when everything's going really bad. You never know. Who's watching you? You never know who notices that you keep praying and you keep worshiping no matter what happens. Not only were God and the angels paying attention to Paul and Silas, but also the other prisoners, the people around them. They were listening. And then it says, suddenly... All I can picture is the angel in heaven going, all right, it's ready. The bowl is full. The prayers have, and the worship have filled the bowl. Here we go. Whoosh. He throws it back down on the earth, and there was a massive earthquake. And the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open. And the chains of every prisoner fell off. God's intervention sometimes doesn't just affect us. It affects everybody around us. Your worship and your prayer have the power to change your own life and to change people around you. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors 
were open, wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped because, hello, (laughs) who doesn't want to get out of jail free? So he drew his sword to kill himself because if he had allowed prisoners to escape, they would have killed him. It was the penalty, right? So he just decided, I'm going to go ahead and kill myself so I don't have to face that. But Paul shouted to him, don't stop it. (laughs) We're here. Don't kill yourself. Hello, right here. We're all here. And then the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling. And now something else was shaking. Trembling before Paul and Silas, then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. And even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before him, before them. And he and his entire family, his entire household rejoiced because they'd all believed. Worship and prayer shakes things up. Worship and prayer shakes up circumstances. Worship and prayer shakes up situations. Worship and prayer shake up needs. Worship and prayer shake up people's hearts. Worship and prayer can turn a situation completely around. Our worship and prayer have a powerful impact in the earth. Could we agree that things change when God's people worship and pray? Divine intervention crashes into the earth when we intervene in heaven with our worship and our prayer. Angels are activated. The prayer ascends, the worship ascends, it's received. God hears our prayers and he receives them as, I worship you, I depend on you, you are God, we need you. And at just the right time, come on, some of you need to hear this today. At just the right time, the angel will send it crashing back down into the earth. And things will get shaken up. And hearts will get shaken up. Situations and circumstances can change. And through that, because people were, listen, because people were watching you through it all, people are going to get saved. Because they watched you. And they heard you. Keep it on praying and keep it on worshiping through all of 2020, y'all. Through all of come what may, y'all. And I don't pray come what may. I'm praying come what I pray. But you know, come what may, I'll still pray. And I'll still worship. And because of it, Heaven will intervene into the earth. 
one final thing. As we move into January 2021, is anybody happy about that? Is anybody a little bit nervous? Don't answer. Is anyone terrified? There's, um, you know, like when you go to the gas station and you pump in your gas and it asks you, some of the gas stations are automated and the pump will actually ask you, would you like me to add a fuel enhancer, right? It's something, it's something that makes the, the engine run better and get better gas mileage and all this. It asks, would you like a fuel enhancer? And I always say no because I don't want to pay more money. But there are certain things that enhance other things, right? And fasting enhances prayer. Fasting enhances it. Fasting is not me trying to suffer so I can twist God's arm to convince him he needs to do something. Because if you fast with that motive, you're going to be very hungry, and that's all. Might lose a few of the Christmas pounds. And that'll be the only thing that gets shaken up. (laughs) Maybe it won't shake no more. All right. Fasting is not, fasting is not what a lot of times we treat it as. Fasting is not, I'm doing extra work so God will hear me. No. Fasting really isn't for God at all. (laughs) Fasting enhances my ability to worship and pray better. Fasting, what is fasting? To skip a meal or two or a few days. Some cases in the Bible, several weeks people fasted, right? But fasting simply means, biblically speaking, okay? I know that nowadays we fast social media and we fast television and we fast whatever. And that's good and that's great. I encourage those types of fasts. But biblical fasting literally just means to go without food. Okay, it's food. Okay, so as we move into January, some of us could definitely do a social media fast or a news fast. Hallelujah. But biblical fasting, the kind of fasting that, that breaks my dependency on the natural and it enhances my connection with the spiritual is to go without food, to go without a meal, okay? To go without a couple of meals, to completely eliminate something from my diet for a week or a month or whatever. Fasting means to go without food. And literally what happens is I take away something natural and my spirit goes, ooh. Yeah? If you've ever fasted, you know what I'm talking about. It's like your spirit was like, hmm, 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 hmm. And you fast and you're like, ooh, ooh. Have you ever felt your spirit go, ooh? I'm sorry I'm being silly, but y'all are awfully serious today. All right. I know it's a serious topic, but fasting isn't supposed to be sad. Jesus talked about it. Don't walk around, ooh. I'm fasting, or telling everybody I'm fasting. The good thing is when we fast all together, you don't have to tell anybody. 
We just suffer together. <laughs> Fasting, Jesus said, basically, in a nutshell, be happy about it. Do it with joy, okay? So we, we always try to begin the year and at different times throughout the year, we do fasting before we have encounter retreats. We do fasting when there's a, a serious situation going on we need to pray for, pray better about, okay? But we always begin every January with fasting, okay? And we do it together as a church. And typically, everybody does it a little different. And that's what I want to encourage you. You don't have to fast like your, 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 your brother, your sister, your friend, Okay? We're declaring January as a month of fasting, okay? But this is what I'm asking us to do together if we can, all right? Do you think we could do something together as a family? This is different. We've never done it like this before, okay? I want to encourage you, ask the Holy Spirit how he wants you to fast throughout the month of January. Maybe he wants you to do a whole month of something. Maybe just certain days. But could we together do this? You're like, I ain't saying yes until you tell me what it is. <laughs> I'm asking. No one is obliged to this. I'm asking. Could we fast together every Wednesday in January? Because Wednesday is our prayer day together. Okay? What does that mean? I'm saying every Wednesday, skip one meal or two meals or however you want to fast. Okay? Now, don't just not eat and keep working. Don't just not have lunch and spend an hour thinking about lunch. You might as well just eat. Skip a meal. Skip, skip your breakfast. Skip your lunch. Skip your breakfast and lunch. Maybe skip three meals in a row. However you feel that you can, okay? But let's do this together on Wednesdays. I believe as we come together and pray corporately on Wednesdays in January... Some major shaking up is going to happen. Because we're going to get sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is saying to pray. Okay? Let's fast. By the way, that's January 6th, 13th, 20th, and 27th. You can fill in all the other days fasting or not fasting, however you wish, during the month of January. But I'm asking, together as a family, let's fast on Wednesdays as you can. Okay? Um, another thing I just want to, I know Liz mentioned it, but I want to invite you guys. This uh, coming Wednesday, we're still on our holiday break, so we don't have anything going on. But starting January 6th, so the first Wednesday of the month, we're going to a totally new format for Wednesday night, okay? We're going to have a double whammy every Wednesday night, okay? Prayer plus discipleship. Because we truly believe that 2021 is the year. We're prophesying it, but we're going to see it happen. 2021 is the year we're going to see many, many of us multiply. And for that, we need training. We need discipleship. In fact, the first 12 weeks of the year, ooh, we're going to have an extra special discipleship course called Multiply by John Bevere. Okay? And we're going to go through it together because 2021 is the year of multiplication, but we're going to start out by praying and worshiping together for a little while, and then we're going to receive the word and discipleship together. That's every Wednesday night, at least the first 12 weeks of the year. That's what we're going to try, okay? So listen, this is my challenge to you. Even if you're not used to coming on Wednesday nights, 
Okay? Even if you're like, I come to church on Sundays, I go to a small group, but I just don't do that Wednesday night thing. Listen, I understand that. I understand. Could you try for the month of January just to make an extra effort? Maybe fast not coming to Wednesday night. <laughs> Come and get hooked on prayer and discipleship. We will make a very, very strong effort to always be done by 8.15, okay? Because I know some of you guys like to turn in early. But we're going to have Wednesday night prayer and discipleship starting January 6th. And I can't emphasize it enough. You won't regret it. Come try it if you haven't yet, okay? And then Liz mentioned as well starting next Sunday through this door down the stairs in the basement, we're going to be having 30 minutes of prayer and intercession every Sunday. And I'm, we're just opening up to everyone who wants to come and just spend a little bit of time praying before our services. Since we already come anyway on Sundays, how about we come and we take some time to pray? Say, what if I can only come to 10 or 15 minutes? That's fine. Any time between 10.15 and 10.45, just come down and let's pray together. As we get ready to, to close, just ask as usual, let's try to keep distraction to a minimum. In fact, why don't we just go ahead and all stand up. The only way I know how to end this message and to end this year is to worship and pray. So that's what we're going to take a few minutes to do together before we go. Is that all right? Before we start singing and praying... Maybe you just want to close your eyes. I want you to try to envision Revelation chapter 8. It says that the prayers of God's people were mixed with incense, which represents worship. And they were presented before God's altar as an offering. As we worship together and we pray together, God receives it. It ascends to Him. It pleases Him. And He receives our worship. And He's going to do something with it. We worship You, Father. We worship You, Jesus. We worship You, Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through His Word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.